Welcome to the KidCast. So this episode is with the wonderful Natalie. Natalie's got three beautiful girls and we chat a lot about the trials and tribulations of everyday life with children. We do talk about pregnancy after miscarriage, so please do listen with discretion if that is something that you do find upsetting. But we also talk about work-life balance and trying to strike that as a parent. It's a really interesting listen and a really enlightening listen. So I hope you enjoy. I normally ask the female guests the same question at the start, but I'm going to change things up a little bit with you. Uh-huh. Because I feel like you are a real open book. And I'm an open book. You'll be really honest with me. <laughs> Just tell me about a day in the life with the girls. <laughs> what's, a, what's a normal day like? Well, today is tiring because Zadie was up for two hours in the night. Um, yeah. The toddler bed, the potty training, and like I said, all the vocabulary that she's learned. She's in that dark stage of development where it's kind of like her brain is too switched on to go asleep um but the older two now that they're five and six so I've got reception and year one they're getting ready for school and I can't tell you how much easier it is once they're at that age people always love to say oh just you wait until you get to this and you know Mm. kind of ruin the next stage for you and like can't wait to share their problems with you but actually I found completely the opposite, you know, from having like a three-year-old, a two-year-old and a newborn, like now having a six-year-old, a five-year-old and a -a two-and-a-half-year-old is so much easier because obviously there's different challenges, but, you know, they can get themselves dressed. So the night before I leave out their school uniform or their PE kit or whatever, and we've got a rule, they have to get dressed before they go down for breakfast Mm -hmm. because... We were doing it all wrong and it was a shouty, horrible mess. <laughs> like everyone had eaten and then we'd be like, oh, we've only got 15 minutes to get out the door. And it was, so we're like, everyone get ready before we go down, have breakfast. If you spill it on yourself, I don't care. I've, I've lost the ability to, yeah. to care about that now. Um, and it's usually pretty good. Then, then we go back up, brush our teeth, ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, when they're not in school, so we've just had a Calm week down. off. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm relentlessly making food and snacks. Food they don't eat because yeah. they, you know, they don't eat anything, do they? Yes. Like, I'm surprised they're alive. I don't know how they function on such little nutrition. Um, but I make all of the food and then yeah. all of the snacks. And um, we usually try and get out and about in the morning. Now nobody naps. It is like freedom. Yeah. Because for six years there's always been one of them that's needed that lunchtime nap and needed it yeah um Zadie could probably still do with it but if she has more than 10 minutes I'm not putting her to bed till 10 o'clock at night so I just force her to wake up I'm like (laughs) why is that I don't know we do literally we have to fight now to not go to sleep sometimes she doesn't want to go to sleep in the day and it's a lovely day and we get to half six we have a bath we get back to bed lovely stuff I love those days. Some days she's that tired that she will fall asleep mid-conversation with you and you think, oh, <laughs> And then she'll only have an hour, but that used to be fine. And if she has an hour between like, I don't know, half 12, half 1, it can be 11 o'clock before she's asleep. It's just brutal. 
And I researched online. <laughs> <laughs> I We've all researched. Yeah. <laughs> I was going, what are we doing wrong? But here it says they need to have six hours, then an hour and a half, and then six hours awake time before sleep. So she should be going to sleep at nine o'clock latest. But she hasn't read the book. No, she hasn't. So she's, she's not going to behave how she how you want it to behave. I find this real. They've all been so, so different. Mm. You know, because I've got three girls, I think if I... If I'd had like a mixture of boys and girls, I would assign it to like a gender difference, yeah. you know, and I'd be like, oh, b- boys are so different to girls or, but now I just know that they're all just they're different. different and varying levels of annoying, <laughs> <laughs> depending on what day. Thankfully, it's very rare for them to all be annoying on the same day. And so, you know, you pick your favourites yeah. of who, who's behaving <laughs> as you would like them to, which is rarely very either of them yeah. um any of them but i'd say on the napping thing you know i had a blissful time for about eight months where mila and yasmin both had a two-hour nap in the middle of the day Ugh. and Dream. i look back fondly on those days and mila has always been a great sleeper mm. ever since she was born really yeah. she was kind of the unicorn child mm. um you know, she was a brilliant sleeper. Filled me with false hope for <laughs> everyone else because Yasmin has turned five on Saturday and I'd say she slept through the night for the last two months. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So she's always been, like, trying to climb back in the womb. Mm. And apparently now that she's five, she's grown up. She's a big girl now. <laughs> yeah, she's a big girl now. I'll see how long that lasts for. Um, but she did nap well, and then she would go down well. She's just always been quite a light sleeper and waking up. Whereas Zadie's always struggled, I guess, being carted around with the other two. So she never got the kind of, like, being put down in a cot in the middle yep. of the day because yep. otherwise she's so restricted. Um it's not fair on the other two then no. to like have to stay in no. for two hours when you could be out all day. So she never really had that consistency. It was yeah. kind of, and she was a pretty chilled baby, so she kind of went with the flow. But um, she didn't sleep through the night until about fifteen months, and then mm. she's been really good until the last couple of months. But I think it's because of all of the yeah. development that she's doing. Yeah. Everything's a phase. Uh, <laughs> you say rocking with tiredness yeah. and like, I think yeah. this is my fourth coffee of the day. <laughs> but yeah, so our days are mad yeah. and varied. Um, but yeah, we try and get out in the morning. We try and do some like home time in the afternoon. Yeah. People who have one think that three sounds mental, but, and it is sometimes, it really mm-hmm. is. But I actually think it's easier because quite a lot of the time I don't have to parent. Do you know what? You made a comment on the on the, the Belly Moms group chat. I remember literally pissing my sides. <laughs> thinking, if that's not a reason to have more than one kid. <laughs> you were saying, I think one of the girls said about how do you entertain a, a, a one-year-old on holiday as two parents. And you were like, have more kids. Yeah. Like, let the kids entertain the kids. And that's what they do. Yeah. And you yeah. know, like, well, even though they're such different personalities, like... Yasmin and Mila will spend all day playing games. It used to be Anna and Elsa from Frozen, um, and there was a hierarchy, so we always knew yeah. that, you know, the second child had to be Anna no matter what, so Yasmin was always Anna. Um, now it's slightly annoying, um, pretending to make YouTube videos okay. of themselves, like, opening 
there's the toys house. they've already got and yeah. like you know they're not filming anything they haven't yeah. got a phone or anything yeah. bonkers like that but you can hear them <laughs> on an annoying American accent <laughs> and I'm just so grateful that I don't have to get involved <laughs> I'm like I'm so glad that you're playing that by yourself and I've not got to play that role yeah. you know I remember when because the, there's only 15 months between the two I remember when me and I was like 15 months before well, I was heavily pregnant yeah. and having to play the Gruffalo and I was getting all the shit characters. Like, I wasn't allowed to be the Gruffalo or the mouse. I had to be, like, the fox or the owl. And I was doing everything wrong. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so hard. Like, this bit of parenting is really hard. hard. I don't really enjoy the pretend yeah. bit. Yeah. And my best friend, she's brilliant at it. And she'll play all day with her kids. And I like doing, like, the colouring in. And I'm like you. Cuddles. I like watching movies. Yeah. I like going out and exploring um, and being outside. Yeah. But the actual role play let's pretend oh my head is battered yeah. I, can't, I can't do it my husband's better at that he'll get yeah. on the floor he'll play yeah. like they both be dogs like that kind of thing <laughs> yeah and she goes come on mommy and again no I don't want to. Mommy, mommy doesn't really, want to. Mommy really doesn't want yeah. to. And that I look shit. I, oh, I hate anything over the top of my head. Yeah. And they they love tents and dens and yeah. I just oh, I'm just not yeah. there for it. No, I mean yeah. have more. That is my, yeah. that's my answer to everything. Because you do and I found with Zadie, obviously there's a, a slightly bigger age gap between mm-hmm. her. I mean, only she was born when Yasmin was two. Um so there's two years there rather than one year. And um but I just found that she just copies everything that the big yeah. girls do. She wants to be the doing whatever they're doing. Yeah. And actually, she's got no fear. Yeah. And she's, like, she's quite feisty. Mm-hmm. So she ends up bossing them around. <laughs> and, and because they adore her yeah. so much, yeah. they're like, oh, the baby wants to do this. I think she'll be the baby forever. Yeah. The baby, it's okay because she's a baby. She's like battering them both, like <laughs> trying to play hairdressers, yanking chunks of their hair out. And they're like, it's okay, like wincing in pain. The baby is having fun. And I'm like, so glad that's you and not me. <laughs> so yeah, I, I mean, I'd always advocate having more. It's louder and yeah. logistically it's harder yeah. because, you know, there's obviously more people to think about and there's more, you know, I think when they were very little, yeah. I found it really hard to meet everyone's emotional needs. Yeah. And that was the thing that I found really difficult because mm-hmm. the guilt weighs heavily. You know, when one of them's sick, Yasmin was in hospital for a bit. She had chickenpox horrendously and COVID at the same time. And she ended up being hospitalised a few times throughout the space of a yeah. year. which was obviously very worrying. And she's always been a mummy's girl anyway. Um, so I spent quite a lot of time with her. But then felt really bad that Mila was in school and she wasn't seeing me every mm-hmm. day. And Zadie was only a baby and, you know, I was breastfeeding as well. So she was having to kind of be carted around and, yeah, all those things. The emotional side is really difficult. Mm-hmm. But like I said, it's starting to feel a bit... A little bit easier. Yeah, a little bit easier. When you can have actual proper conversations and they've yes. got like the cognitive understanding... Yeah. It is so much easier than, yeah. you know, I mean, babies just lie there and sleep and eat, but I don't know why it feels so much harder because it's I relentlessly know. all on you. All on you, yeah. And that's what Bella's at that point now where she does have conversations. I can say, rationalise, yeah. kind of, yeah. with her. I, I mean, can it's like tell... rationalising with a tiny drunk person. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. 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 I, can, I can say to her, you can't do that because of. 
and she understands me now. Yeah. So the idea of going of going back to I, I think that's why I did it so quick because yeah. I was like, once I'm out of this baby trench, I, I think if think if I'd stayed carried on, probably would have had about eight. Yeah. Like because I was like, oh well, I'll just keep going. Like this is fine. Um, but obviously after Zadie, then I was probably willing to have a fall yeah. at that point. And then something changed about seven months later. I was like, oh dear God, no. <laughs> like, I, uh, I I think I'm spread so thinly now. I think it was when Yasmin got sick, I was like, yeah. I, and I felt all that guilt yeah. around trying to manage three yeah. little people's yeah. emotions. You all want their mummy. Mm. Like, no matter how good their dad is, and Danny is, is brilliant. I mean, let's put it, he's not a mum, but he is brilliant for a dad. Um, I, he, he's, and they absolutely adore him. But they still always want me, yeah. like, yeah. when they're tired, when they're sick, yeah. like, you know, playtime yeah. with daddy, yeah. but all the, you know, bedtime stuff is, is yeah. me. So, yeah, I think that was when I realised I couldn't have a fourth, and also when we were trying to book holidays, and I realised that having three kids is so much more expensive than two, yes. because they force you to have two rooms, and, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, four is not... Bigger a car, bigger house. Yeah. Everything. Basically, drive a van. Yeah, but well, I'm one of four. I remember the uh, vans. I remember being caught, like driven around one in the of vans. Four. That yeah. must have been so much fun. Yeah, it was See, fun. I'm an only child. Oh yeah. Yeah. So having three is really interesting to me. My husband's one of three, but he's the only boy. He's got yeah. two younger sisters, and so I remember when we first got together, we'd been to like a Sunday lunch at my in-laws. And they can all eat mm. as well. It's like feast or famine. Mm. It goes on the table and they all like chow down. I think it's like the fear that somebody else is going to be they able to get the, like, the yeah, rest yeah. of the roast. So they all eat so much, so fast. And I was like, what is this? And then after dinner, they all had this weird like wrestle. And I was like, you're grown up. And this is bizarre. And I remember saying to Danny, I don't think that's normal. <laughs> I just think that's really weird. And um, <laughs> turns out it's normal because my kids wrestle all the time. And I think they'll wrestle into their 30s yeah, yeah, yeah. and like play fight and always yeah. rolling around the floor. And Danny's really good at that stuff yeah. with them because I just think, oh, can't yeah. get off. Um, but yeah, it's it's bizarre. So it's really interesting watching like how much they love each other. And I was not bothered about being an main child at all yeah. growing up. It's only now... That I'm older that and I get to watch my own kids. I'm like, oh, mm. that would have been really nice, and I I feel like I've missed yeah. out a little bit on that. But yeah. I mean, my mum and dad tried for years. I was like a miracle yeah. baby. I was one of a twin, and the twin yeah. didn't make it. Um, and then they tried. They tried IVF for years and years and years afterwards, and yeah. it never worked yeah. out for them. Um, so I'm the only one. So they're delighted to have three grandchildren yeah. to like you know smother with as much yeah. love um but yeah so I think it was I was always very busy and my mum and dad like we have a really big family mm-hmm. I've got loads of cousins so I never really felt like a you, like you'd missed out on yeah, family, yeah. I, as an only child but yeah. I do really enjoy watching, watching their that. relationship mm-hmm. and they are all so close to even though they're so different mm-hmm. they do just like adore each other which is sweet yeah. lovely pregnancy wise were they all, was pregnancy similar with all three of them? Was it, did it vary a lot? Um, I think I got lucky, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always knackered, like falling asleep mid-sentence with Mila. And then it, that carried on, carried on for both of the other two as well. Like I'd always be in bed by like eight, which 
you know, if you know me, I'm never normally in bed before mm. half eleven. Um, so I was always shattered, and I'd I was a bit more sick with Zadie. I was sick every day until about twenty weeks, but um, otherwise I kind of got off quite lightly. Mm chugging Gaviscon like it was going out of fashion but they've all been very hairy so I don't know whether that old wives tale worked for us um but yeah they've all been pretty straightforward pregnancies there's been like a couple of like um (laughs) they've always got the growth scan thing wrong so I had Mila was tiny like teeny teeny tiny she was only on like the fifth percentile and now she's like this tall, leggy giraffe, but she is still tiny, you know, like at six, you try and buy a size six leggings and they just fall off her, yeah. but she needs them for the length. Yeah. So she's kind of stayed the same, whereas the other two were both 95th centile, so they were both massive. <laughs> I don't know why or what, you know, there was nothing done differently. Um, but Yasmin and Mila both went to 42 weeks. I've had to be induced with all three of them. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah, they both got to 42 weeks mm. and I desperately wanted a home birth. But by the time I got to 42 weeks, I was like, I'm not willing to wait any longer. Like, I am so over being pregnant mm-hmm. for this long. Um, so all very different births, um, but all very fast, all within an hour of active labour. Wow. So um, Mila, I was very shocked because I got put on the drip and I didn't realise how fast that was going to go. So, and I tore and the recovery was a bit, like, more difficult. And I think having your first baby, mm. I found not one such a shocker. Mm. Like, <clears throat> I think I was just one of those really naive people that thought our lives wouldn't change that much. And then, <laughs> and I was like, we change people, make such a big deal of things. Yeah. And, like, it's fine. And I really struggled breastfeeding and had a load of guilt over that and... Looking back, I probably had postnatal depression or postnatal anxiety. I became so obsessed with what she ate and took steamer to Spain with us on holiday and mm. running around trying to find organic carrots. Because once I was weaning, I was so obsessed with her food because I hadn't been able to breastfeed. I'd had some terrible feeding advice, which meant to cut our journey short. Um, so looking back, that was probably not that healthy. But thankfully, obviously... She was six months old when I got pregnant with mm-hmm. Yasmin. Um, accidentally. <laughs> yeah, it was not. It was a happy accident, yeah. but not at all planned. But yeah, um, all worked out well. But Yasmin was the opposite. She fed like a dream. Mm-hmm. Breastfed her for two years, and I was a completely different mum. Mm-hmm. I was so relaxed. I felt I found my stride mm-hmm. with both of them, even though I had, you know, a one-year-old and a newborn. I just found that one to two so much easier. A lot of people say this. It's bonkers. Yeah. I think you just feel more confident and I got all of that stuff out of the way. And and she was, she did everything that I wanted her to do. Mm-hmm. Like she was a big fat baby, like over nine pounds. So I didn't have any of that fear of like Mila lost so much weight when I was feeding. And then I got in the formula top oh. up because I was scared of her being so tiny. Whereas... Yasmin could have afforded to lose a few ounces. So, I mean, and she never did. She didn't yeah. lose one ounce. Like, she fed so easily. And, like, yeah, I breastfed her for two years. So that kind of fixed all that guilt that I had from the first time around. So it was just such a different experience. Mm. And um, even though I was induced with Yasmin, she, um, I didn't go on the drip. I just had a pessary. Mm-hmm. And then they, I, I went in that night um, 
it's like 42 weeks, you know, like, you need to come in and get checked. And the midwife was like, do you want me to just break, see if I break waters? Um, and I'd adamantly said no mm-hmm. after the first time. And then I was like, oh, do you know what? I just want the baby out. So, yeah. Um, and it was a much nicer experience. Mm-hmm. Um, they'd lit aromatherapy in the oh, room. Nice. Like, there was everything going on was so nice. There was candles. It was um, much nicer. I knew I was going to have a pool bath mm-hmm. on MAU if everything had gone well. Um, and she broke my waters. I had a contraction so big that I threw up everywhere. Um, then I waddled across to the pool. I thought it was going to be like longer than it was. So the midwife was like, we'll leave you and Danny in here. Yeah, have a minute. And I just turned around and Danny still does it now because <sighs> I couldn't catch my breath because I was like, wow, this is fast. And then all of a sudden I'd had one more contraction. So I'd had two contractions and I turned around and looked at Danny and he said, never seen anyone look so shocked, but I, just, I couldn't get a full sentence out. So I just said, pushing like that <laughs> he was just like, so now whenever like something happens it's like pushing it's like now an annoying thing that gets yeah. said all the time but um so wow. he had to hit the red button and the midwives came in they were like wouldn't be happening now but she did she arrived like literally the next contraction so i think from having my waters broken to um having her was 54 minutes before I was sat with a cup of tea and toast and wow. a lovely bath in the water, quarter myself, you know, like yeah. everything that you'd kind of want from a bath. Yeah. But then annoyingly, I went in with that viewpoint for Sadie okay. uh, being the third and she was the longest labour of all. I mean, active labour again was still under an hour, but I was, I, I'd been induced and nothing happened for three days I got induced with her because she stopped moving at 39 weeks and um, it was COVID at the time and you couldn't have anyone with you. So I went in to give birth on my own. I'd agreed to go in and be induced at 39 weeks, even though I didn't really want to, because the consultant was lovely and I bartered for the one pool room because I was like, I'll come in and do it if I can get guaranteed to get that room. Um, and so the consultant really wanted me to be induced because of a lack of movement. Um, even though she then started moving again as soon as I got to the hospital. But oh, what did like, you? I, it's like, yeah. as soon as they put her on that machine, she was like, hi, I'm here. Um, but she was obviously just chilling out. But she obviously wasn't ready. I think my body clearly goes to 42 weeks. And then, so in my mind, she's three weeks premature at this point. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, I'm not ready at all. But with having the two others at home, you know, I had to make sure that my mum and dad could be around to look after the other two. And then, um, yeah, it'd been two two nights by this point of like, having been induced. And I was like, you're just going to have to whack me on that trip because I've got two other kids I need to go home for. Like, Mm. I'd never been away from them for two nights at that point. Um, and so I was like, you know, they were only three and two themselves, so they didn't really understand yeah. where mummy had gone. gone yeah. Um, and so they finally let Danny come in. Um, but this time I was like, I'll have an epidural before you put me on that trip, please. That was the best thing I did. Mm. I had such a lovely time. Mm. The midwife were gorgeous, and we had um strictly final on <laughs> she was like you know you're 10 centimeters do you feel ready to push and i was like should we just watch the last dance <laughs> see who wins and then i'll push and then so we did me and the midwife danny was obviously useless in the corner um had a lovely time watched strictly final pushed her out no bother yeah. like just a lovely very relaxed 
birth. Yeah. Like it was just, it was probably my favourite birth because even though I got the water birth with Yasmin that I really wanted, that was obviously very fast and uh, yeah. quite a big shock. Yeah. And obviously giving birth, you know, if anyone is listening to this who is pregnant, you know, it's doable, but whew, yeah. it's a shock. Yeah. <laughs> Contractions are a shock. And I have always done hypnobirthing. I have paid for the course every time. Yeah. I think it's invaluable in stopping you being frightened and 100%. retreating into yourself. Yeah. But it still is. No one can prepare no. you. No. The, that feeling yeah. where you're like I've done that breathing in and out they say to do it when you go for a poo when you're pregnant to practice I had it nailed <laughs> I had it I nailed I can push a massive poo out <laughs> 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 oh my god yeah it doesn't prepare you because I, I, the only thing you can do is I mean the relief of it like ending yeah. the contraction is like oh okay I can do it again now and I guess you kind of got to think of it, it one contraction at a time but at its peak you're like oh my god i'm being like my body is being yeah. pulled apart here like this yeah. can't be normal no. this evolution thing has not caught up like nobody should be able to do this it's insane isn't it yeah it's mad i don't think i could describe that pain though no you can't and the weird thing is for it to stop so immediately like you give birth and you just feel great and i, yeah. I guess that's all the adrenaline like you need to vomit and you vomit after you throw up you then go feel great now i'm winning it like <laughs> yeah but i think also the shock is when you've got to keep a human alive yeah like i think i trained so much for the birth and i'd yeah. i'd done all the classes i mean nct did mm. you do nct no. well i was pregnant during covid so oh you didn't get to do anything no. oh yeah i think having your first in covid is such a shame because mm. you miss out on uh, i mean obviously i had my third but mm. i was so grateful to know what i was doing yeah. by that point because otherwise i think i would have felt really lost but nct was great because we are still mates with the people that we did our yeah. first with yeah. and now out of the four of us one of them is pregnant with her third so there'll be three six there's 10 between the four of us wow. now, but all of our first ones have grown up together. Like, well, they've all grown up together now, yeah. so they're all really, you know, good friends. And the couples that we met, we were really lucky. Mm -hmm. Like, everyone likes each yeah. other, and the lads will get on, the girls, you know, we'll try and go for dinner and stuff whenever we can. Yeah. We, not with the 10 kids. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Christmas, we did something with all the kids. They were for 40, please. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the, um, it was good for that, but wow i wish they taught me more about like breastfeeding is not this easy natural thing that you assume it's no. going to be it yeah. is the hardest thing you'll ever do and it is relentless and it is all on you mm -hmm. and yes it's magical and brilliant and once you've got it nailed it's so much easier than bottles but those first two months i'd say are so bone numbingly tiring mm -hmm. and your hormones are all over the place and you're basically an absolute psycho <laughs> and you become feral because like all you can think about is like this baby and protecting the baby and then your husband obviously has emotions but feels like they've been binned off completely <laughs> because you no longer care about them at yeah. all they could literally go and put themselves in the bin like um, you know other than changing the baby's nappy or like fetching you stuff they're useless, they're useless. Yeah. Um, and they feel as such it must be awful for them as well like you know me and Danny have talked about it so much now because obviously three children in we knew what happens yeah. I, I basically 
become feral and I only care about the kids and the children for about six months after I have them yeah. and then he gets his wife back where <laughs> I can have a laugh again and I'm able to take a joke but in those first six months I can't take a joke at all and I'm so tired and I'm just looking at him and, yeah. he, and he's brilliant you know he would get up any time with me in the night he would yeah. you know when Mila was on bottles he he did most of the nights really mm-hmm. and I think he found that easier because he bonded with Mila so much quicker because he had more of an active role, whereas when you're breastfeeding, you know, other than doing the nappies, and he would wake up, you know, he'd have, both of my breastfed children have somehow been able to lie on him from like 7 to 11 in the evening, mm-hmm. and so he'd have like PlayStation on all. Mm-hmm. The World Cup for Yasmin, which was great, he'd watch all the matches and stuff, and then bring them up to me, and then I'd kind of feed on and off throughout the night, but he'd bring the baby in the snack plate, and I'd have had that like bit of sleep in the beginning mm-hmm. bit of the night. So, you know, obviously it was very useful then. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at three o'clock in the morning when you're on your 50th feed of the night, you're yeah. like, use yeah. your boobs. <laughs> and it is really hard on your relationship. Yeah. Like, you know, and that's the kind of thing I wish I'd known in NCT. Mm-hmm. Like, your hormones naturally go to look after the baby. Like, your sole purpose, you know, is to look after that yeah. baby. You can't help it. It's, it's instinct. Even if you're not as maternal as you think you are like I I never thought I was maternal before and then I became like full mama bear and nobody could do anything Mm -hmm. for me or for the children I felt like such a deep sense of responsibility that Mm. it all had to be me and then I was bitter about it because I was like why is nobody helping me (laughs) it's like that people were offering but I just wouldn't accept it because it needed to be me um but yeah it's it's crazy isn't it I didn't realize your brain chemically Changed. No, I wish somebody told me that. I know. Because then I would have felt like less like I was losing my mind and more like, okay, well, this is normal. Yeah. I Googled it because, again, good old Google. Google. Because um, I remember being, I was about 15 weeks pregnant and I texted my friend who'd had a little boy at this point and said, How do you get rid of baby brain? (laughs) And she just texted back saying, Oh, babe. (laughs) No, No. this is your brain now forever. This is it. This is it. And I was like, what do you mean? And I, I genuinely thought people were taking the piss when they were like, oh, baby brain. No, I'm much more stupid now. Oh, <laughs> really I, I can't string sentences together. <laughs> I have to sit and really think about what words I'm trying to say. Yeah. Because it, it, all I kept saying to my husband was, my, my, words just fall out my head mid-sentence. And I go, what was I even saying? What was my point? I do it all the time now. I think if you ever meet up with your other mates who've got kids as well, by the time you've been interrupted 5,000 times, you're like, I feel like the main thing we say during a meet-up is, what were we just saying? <laughs> what was, yeah. what, do, what were we talking about? Yeah. Oh, and then you start it again and then you get interrupted again and it's like, yeah. do you know what, we should just not bother. Yeah. Like, let's sit here in silence. <laughs> and the kids play and just have like a little nap. <laughs> and yeah. take it in turn. <laughs> it is so hard. I mean... When I was pregnant with Mila, I had to do a speed awareness course at nine months pregnant. Like, I was literally ready to drop. I think I was 39 weeks. Um, and it was in person. There was no, like... No. I'm sure Zoom did exist somewhere, but none of us had ever heard of yeah. it at this point. It, that was in 2016. And I waddled in to, like, a four-hour speed awareness course. And everyone a bit concerned that I was going to give birth. Um, but purely because I said to them, they were like, oh, you know, went around the group, why have you hit, why here... And I was on Edgbeth Road, and I saw the red light, I acknowledged the red light, and then I went, do you know what, 
I just need to go faster and go through the red light. So not only did I get done for speeding, but I sped through a red light. But I was like, I don't understand why I've just done that. Like, why was my reaction? It's red. I can see it's red. Whack my foot on the accelerator and off I go. Like, I wasn't even in a rush to go anywhere. So, um, yeah, that just, the level of baby brain is It's just, yeah, it doesn't get talked about enough, I don't think. Definitely. How mental you're going to be. And there is such, you know... There is support out there. And I do think, you know, I found quite a lot of support in random in Instagram groups. Yeah. And um, and just knowing that you're not alone and actually quite a lot of these things are normal. Yeah. Um, I was one of my first friends to have babies in our group. And I found it really challenging because I didn't have that frame of reference. Um, and any friends who had kids, they were a bit older, so they mm-hmm. weren't in that baby mm-hmm. bit. And you forget, don't you? Like yeah. you forget how hard it is. Yeah. You forget how relentless yeah. it is. Um, and I didn't know how to ask for help. I didn't know what help I needed. Yeah. Um, you know, with the first one, with the other two, I knew like absolutely no visitors for the first two weeks. I need to be able to like chill out and bond with my boobs out and not have the yeah. pressure of some making a cup of tea for someone, someone girl. turning up. Yeah. And I knew then that actually I didn't want people to come and help me with the baby. I didn't want them to take the baby off me. Like that found that that felt really alien to me. But what I did want is somebody to come and do the laundry yeah. or bring me some food. <laughs> wash the dishes. Wash the dishes. Do stuff away. play with the toddler. Like, yeah. you know, make yeah. us feel like we weren't completely alone. Yeah. Those kind of things. And but you don't know that with your first one. And I think I I accidentally shut myself off quite a lot because I didn't know what help to ask for. And then I was embarrassed that I wasn't, that I didn't know what I was doing. And, um, I mean, my friends were like, you know, stupid things. Like I felt like I stopped getting invited to stuff because I said no so many times mm-hmm. for fear of what would happen. I mean, Mila had the first three months, she just screamed constantly because she was tongue tied, probably starving, uh, because of how we were being told to feed her. And, um, cold <laughs> because that owl thing mm. that grow owl wasn't allowed to be more than like 16 degrees and I was terrified um, <laughs> so the poor child was starving freezing and um, you know didn't know what was going on so I was like I, I didn't feel like I could take her out to be with any of my yeah. friends who didn't have kids because if she screamed and kicked off and had colic and stuff like I felt like they would have judged me mm. they wouldn't have but that was just my brain at the yeah, time yeah. Um and I think you just get over it with your second or third because you're like, well, babies cry. Yeah. That's normal. Yeah. Like, that's how they communicate with yeah. you. But at the, at the, for the first one, I just felt like I, I was doing such a poor job yeah. of it that... It's so hard. It's so hard. Now, it's so Bella hard. had horrific colic. So Bella, Bella was a water birth. Nice. But again, like you, quite quick. So it was born too fast. So again, I didn't know this was a thing. I just thought you had to push to get your baby out. Yeah, you didn't know to kind of breathe through it and hold and wait rather than tearing yourself in two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they don't tell you that so, No, they don't tell you that either. <laughs> so she had, didn't have a chance to get like the mucus mm-hmm. squirrels off her chest or whatever. Yeah. So she was classed as rapid delivery. So then, And then she also swallowed water when she was born so I had to get resuscitated. Oh my gosh, how scary. That's terrifying. Well, I don't, I don't think I've processed it properly, but no. I know now... I would never have a water birth. Yeah. But I think it was only a freak accident and it was just Yeah, Bella. but once you've been through that level of trauma, yeah. why would you do it to yourself yeah. again? It's I mean just something she'd chosen to do. Oh. Yeah. But up until up until the actual birthing part mm-hmm. or post birth, everything was great. It was a lovely experience. Well, 
I'd love Lee to be bottling her out. Yeah. Um, again, baby brain, I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> Water bear. Bella being born fast. Oh, colic. Colic. Yeah. So, because she was born fast, because she didn't get the mucus off her chest, she then had colic. Well, I didn't know what colic was. No. didn't know how you treated colic. No. I didn't know what the answer was. She was too little to have any of the stuff that yeah. people were saying that you could use for colic. Then we found out, found this great that little colif. Colif, yeah. Oh my God, unbelievable. And it's like something stupid like 20 quid a You would a have bottle. sold your soul at that point though. 100% you'd have sold You're soul. like, have a kidney. If you know it'll what? make I this baby to, stop crying. <laughs> I, said to, I said to my husband, like I had to go back to work quite quick because we were both self-employed. I said, I'm so fortunate that I've got income coming in because if you're on maternity leave and you're buying this the way at the rate that we're yeah. buying it, you would be absolutely fucking skinned. I know, and that's the thing. It, it's all this shit that you don't even know that you, no. nobody tells you that you're going to need backup. And... No. And I was just like, I, this is blowing my mind. Oh. Unbelievable. <laughs> I remember the night that my brother-in-law came to meet Bella for the first time. She was about six weeks old and it was witching hour. Uh. Yeah. And I just remember... From the box bedroom to the bathroom, walking in circles, walking and walking, and she was next to me here, screaming, screaming constantly. There's nothing like that sensory overload. Yeah. And it was with your been... nervous system, I feel like everything is set on fire. Like yeah. every single part of your body is set on fire because you just want to fix it and it to you not can't. be happening, and you can't. And there's you never feel more out of control than that. I felt so out of control. Felt completely useless. And I literally was going. What is life? Like, yeah. What the hell is Why going have we on? Done this? Yeah, what is going on? But I feel like if someone would have said, just a heads up, this might happen after birth. Not always, but you know, 50% of kids have colic, so FYI, this is what it is. Yeah. This is how you handle it. It was breathing, hypnobirthing breathing yeah. that got me through. Oh, the it's colic. got me through so many different situations. Yeah. It's yeah. a life skill, I yeah, think. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. a life skill in parenting when your toddler's being a complete arsehole yeah. and you can breathe through it and go, yeah, yeah. It's okay, darling. Yeah. I understand that you dropping that strawberry is the worst thing that's ever happened to you, and let's cuddle. Yeah, it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying that I'm, I exceed yeah. my gentle parenting mm. values every day because I certainly do not, especially you know when the back chat begins. Yes. Um, <laughs> as much as I enjoy like a like the kind of sassiness that yeah. my very shy oldest one has now kind of got to. Um, still comes as a shock and sometimes <laughs> I'm like what where did this come from and then I have to breathe through it and be like she's just pushing her around oh, yeah. a little bit she's yeah. just finding her voice and yeah. you want this for her you don't want it to be yeah. a mute good girl yeah. good girl yeah. you know who does what she's told all the time yeah. and doesn't explore you want her to be yeah. all of these things but to but it takes a, a lot <laughs> within you to it's just so triggering <laughs> like where you're like oh don't talk to me like that. But actually, you know, yeah. it's all good things. But yeah, hypnobirthing all the way through from yeah. all those things. But I think if you have like any kind of traumatic yeah. birthing experience, like that plays such a role in everything going forward as well. Mm-hmm. Like it's so hard to get over that and then bond with your baby and yeah. keep them alive and yeah. be the mum that you want to be and all those things because you don't have a minute to process what happened. Mm-hmm. Um you know, obviously, like, I lost a baby in between Yasmin and Zadie. Mm-hmm. Again, we'd kind of, we were kind of set with, like, yeah, we'd always said two. Once we got pregnant mm-hmm. the first time, we were like, let's 
have to to use a good number. And then I weirdly kept having these dreams of three girls at the dining table. And I do not know why, but probably my brain just saying have another baby. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I couldn't let it slide. And then Danny wasn't that sure, but you know, wanted to have sex. <laughs> Put it mildly. So I was kind of like, I'm, I'm going to win this argument no matter what. Um, and, and so we got pregnant again. Like we, we've always been so, so lucky. I am eternally grateful that we have managed to conceive and, and mm-hmm. have very easy pregnancies. Um, but so we got pregnant and we were due in the September. Um, and then at the end of February, we were due to go to Oslo for the weekend. We were going to see Liam Gallagher, wasn't mm-hmm. it? And we were meant to be going away without the other kids and leaving them for two nights. So excited. And then two days before, I was going to London for work. And I just started, like, spotting. And I knew. Mm-hmm. I, I, In fact, I'd known that whole pregnancy because I didn't feel tired or... I didn't have the things that I've had in my other three pregnancies. Mm-hmm. And I'd said a couple of times to my best friend, Danny, and my mum, and been like, something wrong here. It's not quite not right. Um, but we paid for an early scan because I was so convinced something was wrong. And there'd been baby, it's a heartbeat, you know. Um, so it kind of, it came as a shock because I've had, I'd had two pregnancies before and, and no issues. Mm-hmm. But... Also, it kind of triggered something in my brain which said, you were right, like, there is something wrong. But it's weird. You get filled with this eternal hope. and You Google everything, you like, you know, you hear these stories about people who've bled their entire pregnancies and the baby's still been born. Or, you know, um, I knew I wasn't pregnant with twins because I'd had the early scan, but, you know, my my mum had had a similar experience when she lost the baby but then found out that I was still there. So, you know... I still had this level of hope and we went to the women's and we were very lucky. We had a really lovely female doctor at that point, female doctor, who was very kind and very empathetic. And she was like, it might be nothing. Baby is still showing on the scan, but you might be losing a baby. I wouldn't fly to Oslo. I'd prefer you to stay local. Um, but I was determined to have these two nights away. <laughs> and so we cancelled Oslo. We found this deal to go up to the Highlands. And where we obviously now looking back, I'm like, well, that wasn't exactly local. <laughs> just in the country. Yeah. But, you know, kind of a place that we couldn't take the kids because it was like a six hour drive. And it was beautiful. We stayed in this gorgeous hotel. We just walked around. And I was still, we had a really good time. Like, um, it was really nice just being the two of this and I'd kind of put it to the back of my mind like this isn't gonna this is gonna be fine it'll all be fine I'm not losing anymore it seems to like have steadied mm-hmm. off and then we got in the car on the way home we were nearly back we were on, on the M62 I think and Danny just turned to look at me in the passenger seat and I was like oh I've got really bad tummy eh? and he turned to look at me and he was like oh my god now and uh, I'd got a denim jumpsuit on and there was blood from my chest down to my ankles like the whole thing had obviously just come on very quickly and because it was you know February I had one big duffel coat so I was able to put that on um Danny rang the hospital I went to the um toilet and basically lost the baby 
um, and I was in shock, I think, and got changed. And the women said, just come straight in. So I went straight in and then, unfortunately, awful. And I, I don't think it's because he's a man, but the delivery of it was like, so your baby's gone. And, but then they were all, that, all the hospital staff were all having a laugh about something completely different. Yeah. Obviously, just like they're, they're in just work, aren't they? Yeah. But in the corridor outside. And they were like, we really want you to stay in so that we can check you tomorrow. But I was like, no, I've been away from my kids for two nights and I want to give them a cuddle. So I just went home and then carried on parenting. And um, I went back two weeks later and I was, you know, fortunate. I didn't need any other treatment. Uh, I'd completely lost and it was, you know, it was fine. But I was adamant and I was like, like a deranged woman was like I need to be pregnant now the only thing that's going to fix this for me is to be pregnant again and we got pregnant within a month and we got pregnant in the March and that was the month that Covid started so we immediately went to lockdown so my job is um you know working in government communications so I was really busy with work I had two toddlers at home and I was pregnant holding my breath after a miscarriage and I got no support. There was no one. I didn't meet my midwife until I was 32 weeks pregnant. Oh my God. It was horrendous. Like horrendous is scary yeah. because you're just so terrified the same thing is going to happen. And I actually started bleeding at exactly the same time with her. But this time it was the good news story. It was just, they don't know what it was, like some lining, something coming away. But obviously she's now two and a yeah. half. So, um, you know, it was absolutely fine, but it, I was like, I can't do this. I can't go through this again. And I was really shocked that, you know, they say one in four people have a miscarriage. And, you know, it's talked about like it's just such a common thing. But then when it happens to you, you're so shocked at the strength of the emotion. Because yeah. I was so devastated because I'd imagined that baby yeah. with my other children. Yeah, I'd imagined yeah. when yeah. it was going to be born and, you know, I'd made all those plans and... I knew how much I loved those two, so it kind of, it felt like, yeah. you know, I, I still would say I feel like I'm a mum of four, not a mum of three, which is bonkers, isn't it, really? But it is, you know, that lack of support in that COVID time, being pregnant and all that was, you know, I would say, like you, I didn't process it. Obviously, that's caused problems later mm -hmm. on down the line, but, like, because you couldn't because you just had to get on with it like and it was quite you know a, a, just a bizarre time in the world a bizarre time to be having babies and you know my best friend had her first baby and it was the beginning of covid and we were in lockdown and i didn't even hold him until he's six weeks old which is bizarre yeah. because like you know she'd been such an active part of my and two babies yeah. and so you know all of that feels so like a different time yeah. thankfully yeah. but you know bonkers really did you know you were having girls or did you have a surprise every time oh no I always knew okay. so I always knew because I always paid there's a thing called sneak peek I've got no patience <laughs> at all I also think like the surprise is a human coming out your vagina I don't need another <laughs> surprise on the day <laughs> like some of my friends can do it I'm like I think it's lovely for them and I do think it is it's kind of more exciting for the people around you because you're like, oh, what did you have? And, you know, but yeah, I didn't need to have any more surprises. So <laughs> I, I'm really impatient and I wanted to, you know, be able to prepare and all that kind of stuff. So I think, yeah, I always did the DNA blood test at yeah. like eight weeks. So I knew always knew eight what, weeks? yeah. 
Oh. I always knew what I was having. Um, but that's why we we're like we don't think I can carry boys, and I think that's oh. what the problem oh, was. Yeah. So we were. Um, so you know, thankfully, all the girls arrived safe yeah. and sound and easily, and wow. you know, definitely complete as a family. I don't have a longing for a four. Yeah. And the bizarre thing is, it's just so many emotions because obviously, if that baby had survived, I wouldn't have a Zadie. Yeah. And a Zadie is very much the child that I had dreamt about. Yeah. Not like I dreamt about her, yeah. but I, Mila and Yasmin are both very blonde. But when I was dreaming, and I have got this written down, so I'm like, yeah. no, I'm not crazy. But I was like, I, I see a brunette little girl, yeah. and I don't know why I keep having the same dream about this, br- and she's a brunette little girl. So I've got two really blonde girls, and this brunette baby, and she is the image of what uh-huh. I pictured. So, I mean, take of it as whatever yeah. you will. <laughs> like whether I manifested this child into my life, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't even really, you know, yeah. believe in all the voodoo side of things but I do think that she was meant for me she was the baby that I was meant to have and you know as sad as it was that we lost that baby and as as much I've gone through so many emotions and the guilt of almost like being grateful that I've got Zadie and not that baby it's a weird emotion to deal with but um you know I do feel like she was the one that was meant for us so it was kind of worth going through all that horribleness Get it. I don't know how people do it multiple times. I really don't. I think they're heroes. Like, I just, I couldn't have done it again. I heard a statistic that is really common to miscarry with your first pregnancy. Yeah, I see. I know quite a lot of people who've yeah. had miscarriages first and then gone on to have... And um, um, that's fine, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, again, but even that, I was like, why, why is this not... I mean, the doctor did say to me, and at the time it felt so brutal, and I remember thinking... This is just a horrible thing to say. But he was like, it's your body's way of rejecting something that wouldn't be viable or would genetically not be um, right. Mm. He was like, most miscarriages at this term, because I was, I think it was 11 weeks, um, is there's something genetically not sitting right with the, with the baby. Um, would never have known mm-hmm. that. At the time, I remember thinking... Yeah, but I still want my baby. Mm. Like, I, I don't need your statistics or, mm. like, telling me that there's something wrong with the baby. I still want that baby, like, mm. whatever whatever the situation yeah. was. Um, and, yeah, it felt quite harsh. But actually, that's been quite a relief mm. going forward because, you know, would I have been able to cope with a baby with a genetic disorder and two toddlers? And would it have changed our life completely yeah. in a way that I wasn't ready for? And, you know... All of that kind of thing, but I mean, sometimes they need to learn a little bit more bedtime. <laughs> they do, don't they? Yeah. I think I was talking to my mum about this. My mum did two years of midwifery training, so I think she said one. She thinks there's a difference between midwives who are mums, yeah, or dads, and who aren't, but also being able to to empathise with people. And sadly, on certain instances, sympathise, but the the em- empathy goes a long, long way, yeah. particularly in those yeah. situations. My mum has my mum very similar to your mum. So my younger sister Gabby was conceived as a twin. Yeah, my mum had a miscarriage with Gabby's twin, but Gabby made it. Bad. Yeah, but my mum said when she was miscarrying, the bedside manner was horrific, and the same with my nan. My nan had a 
I don't know the full ins and outs, but she gave birth to the baby, but the baby didn't live very long. God, I think that's yeah. the worst thing they might yeah. be able to go through. And the nurse said to her, your baby's dead. That was it, oh. in that way. And my nan only told me that once that I was born. I just just sitting in floods of tears because I just couldn't. I just couldn't even wrap my head around that. No, sometimes it's just so cruel, isn't it? Like horrendous. Like to go through that, I, I don't know how you recover. I really don't because no. like it's just like losing the child must be so traumatic. It's yeah. probably enough having an an early miscarriage. Miscarriage. Yeah. You know, I know. Um, Danny's cousins had a late miscarriage and I think she said to me but you know what it's like I'm like I don't I can't possibly comprehend what it's like to be 20 weeks and have to deliver a baby like it's it's very different yeah. in my mind it is it doesn't mean that you're not heartbroken and upset to not have that journey and to not have that baby but having to deliver a baby and then lose them you know it's a whole different mm-hmm. perspective on it and I you know I think that is, in my opinion, way worse. Mm-hmm. But, and thankfully, I've never had to experience yeah. that. But I've I've watched a couple of people I know go through it, and it is just, it's just cruel. It's horrible. It's so cruel. Yeah. Um. Different note. Work- slightly cheerier. Slightly, slightly cheerier. And <laughs> um, work-life balance. Oh my god, I've not got it at all. Um. So I thought I got it. I thought I got it nailed. In fact, I. I was very lucky in a way when I had Mila and then obviously I was um, I was in quite a, a big corporate communications role um, for a online retailer mm-hmm. and I signed an NDA so I'm trying to be really yeah, yeah. like about what I'm saying yeah. but um, obviously I got pregnant with Yasmin at six months during my maternity leave. I was not going to win employee of the year mm. at any point. And it was quite a busy role with quite a lot of travel. And, you know, looking back at how I used to work, it wouldn't have been feasible with children. Um, but I got offered matern- I got offered redundancy, basically, when I went to talk about flexible working. And um, I took it. Um, but it afforded me to be off with both of them because I continued my maternity leave until Yasmin was 18 months old. So I'd been off for two and a half years on that redundancy money. While I was pregnant with Yasmin, I got kind of a freelance um, six-month contract to put in a comm strategy for Unilever, mm-hmm. for, a, for a function of Unilever, not the whole of Unilever, which paid a very nice day rate. So I only did three days while Mila was in nursery, and it kind of topped that funds up. So yeah, I had another... Um, 18 months off with Yasmin and then I went into the NHS but um, kind of like an arm's length body of the NHS so um, I work across the Department for Health Mm -hmm. and NHS the clever medical people tell me what they're doing and I write it into speak that we can then translate to to me um, (laughs) through the MPs MP like a constituent might ask an MP something and it'll come through to me and I'll be able to answer on and you know give the MP all the right facts and figures and fascinating job it is I really do love my job um and we do prime minister's questions so anything that comes in you know in covid we were you know doing 
giving it all the facts and figures on that for all the press conferences you know it was really good we had a really big team as well at that point and I went back full time but I condensed my hours to do four days um and it was fine it was it was you know it was okay kind of I enjoyed being back in work to be honest and um they were happy in nursery they nursery makes life a lot easier because they can do normal hour days not like school I found it really hard since they've gone to school um because it's basically mm. half a day yeah. and um yeah so I, I I felt like we'd kind of got it then I was going in the office and seeing people you know being able to get a little bit mm. dressed up make the effort you know mm. it it felt okay then and then kind of a year later I well not even a year later I think just under a year um I was pregnant with Sadie. So I knew I was going off. And also at this point, the whole world had changed mm-hmm. and it was COVID. And so I was working from home and it was brilliant. So I was the busiest I'd ever been in a work capacity. Mm-hmm. But I think because I knew there was an end site mm-hmm. coming and I was about to take another year off, it was all very doable. I was really enjoying the role. Like my husband works in the music industry, so that I'd obviously like... He wasn't going on tour anywhere. He wasn't leaving us. He couldn't go in the studio. So he was very much at home and it felt like really nice. Like the girls got to spend so much time with their dad. I got to work, but, you know, it all felt really manageable. The problems started after I went back after Matt leave. Um, You know, the team in the last year got shrunk by 50%. So Mm. I used to be one of three senior managers. Now I'm the only one. And the people that reported to me were halved, um, just with cuts and things like that. Um, so the pressure felt more. I think there's also a bit of that not processing any of the stuff that happened um, came to light and I just started to feel like I was really struggling. In fact, I felt like I was drowning, but then not doing a good enough job at work mm-hmm. or at home. home. felt like I was doing it. A terrible job at both to be honest and then I'd finish work because I work from home now most of the time you I walk out of my office at home and then I'm instantly into my mode like there's no commute to process the day there's no cut there's yeah. no chance to and trying to work from home sometimes whilst it's a blessing for parents you are as a mum you're looking around the house going this shit all needs tidying. Mm-hmm. That lo- load of laundry needs to go on. But also I've got to speak to this very important person for an hour on a conference call now. Oh, I'm meant to be exercising. When do I see my friends? I haven't had a conversation with my husband in like two weeks other than logistics. You know, there's so much going on in the mental yeah. load that I think sometimes not being able to compartmentalise it as yeah. much really didn't, didn't do my brain any good. And I've always like, I, I, you know, I'm quite like, chatty mm-hmm. and stuff so people would never know it but I I have like got like an anxiety mm-hmm. disorder that I've, I've had for my whole life but I didn't know about it until about 10 years ago mm-hmm. that it, it was a thing where like my brain goes into catastrophe mode on certain things and it just started to happen more yeah. and more and more and I was finding the things that I would normally find easy the juggling really hard like I mentioned earlier I, I try and take a real gentle parenting mm-hmm. approach with the kids of like, you know, really listen to their feelings. And even though sometimes I think they're absolutely ludicrous, you know, <laughs> kind of giving them the space to have big feelings. You know, I was a very emotional child and sometimes 
my mum and dad are brilliant, but sometimes shut down for yeah. fear of like, you know, don't, why are you having a big massive tantrum here? And so I try and let my kids have those big feelings, but those emotions are always on you then. And, you know, and I'd come out and sometimes snap at them or react in a way that I didn't like how I was reacting. The amount of times I've had to apologise to the big girls and go, I'm really sorry, girls. Like, it must be so confusing to them. Something they did last week is totally fine. They do it this week and I'm like, shut up, yeah. shut up. You know, and it's like, why, why is mummy acting different? So I, I kind of got to the point where I was like, something's got to give and it's either going to be my brain is going to yeah. fall out yeah. or I need to take a little bit of time off. And I thought I just needed a week to catch my breath. And it was only when I spoke to the doctor, basically my mum came round one night um, with some M&S dinners for the kids because our fridge freezer had also broken and all the food had defrosted and I didn't know what was safe to give them. Um, and Danny works late, like much later, so mm-hmm. she was dropping them off. And I said to her, I was like, mum, I think I'm having a heart attack. Like, I think I'm going to have a heart attack right now. And she was like, you know what, you're having a panic attack. Like, go sit in the lounge, have some water, take some deep breaths, I'll take the girls up for their bath. Because I was like... Didn't want them to see me like mm-hmm. that, but I felt so out of control. And so the next day I got up and went to work as normal, went to my office, uh, but I rang the doctor and they were like, you're you're not well. Mm-hmm. Like this is, you can't do, you don't need a week off. You need a much more substantial time off. So I decided then and there to take a month off. And that month has now been four months. Okay. And I feel so much better. Mm-hmm. Like you're so much more in control. The kids have benefited so so much because I'm not rushing through bedtime mm-hmm. thinking, oh God, I've got to log on, I've got yeah. this today. Uh, you know, I am able to give them all the time they need. But unfortunately, without a lottery win, that is not a long term yeah. solution. So um, I am going to have to factor in going back to work at some point over the summer. But I always thought I loved my career, but I love my children way more. Yeah. And I wish I could have stayed off, uh, you know. I wish I could stay off with them now that they're at school because the thing I was not aware of is how much more they would need from me in school than they do in nursery. So nursery, you know, mine always stay till like five, mm-hmm. quarter past five. Great, I could go and pick them up. They, you know, they'd have their dinner, they'd go to mm-hmm. bed. But now they're older, they stay up later so you get less of an evening to yourself. You want to give them that time, mm-hmm. um, but they finish school at three. So... To pick them up, you've like already finished your day halfway through the day. So mm-hmm. you're going to have to pick up those hours at some point when they go yeah. to bed. But then they don't go to bed till later. And so you're constantly chasing your tail. And emotionally, you know, they've got all those relationships. And my girls um, are just, I think they get it from me. They've got, they've got like people-pleasing tendencies. Mm-hmm. So they are so well behaved in school you know everyone thinks they're angels Mm -hmm. I know differently but everyone thinks that they're you know and they put their best foot forward but that emotional fallout when they feel safe when they get home sometimes can be quite challenging because you know they've had all these you know people have been mean to them in the day that kids are mean and they've bottled it all up and they've behaved in the way they think they should behave and um you know they've been good I don't it bothers me that they feel like they need to mm-hmm. always be on the best behaviour. I'd prefer them to, like, let the emotions out <laughs> earlier on in the day somewhere. <laughs> but, like, obviously they get home, they feel safe, and they... And yeah. so you can't be then going, sorry, girls, I just need to check my emails. Mm-hmm. There might be some garage that's come in. So I have not got that balance mm-hmm. at all. I don't really know who gets that balance. If you, if you have to work 
like a job, not, you know, being a stay-at-home mum is brutal. That's the hardest work you could ever do. But, you know, if you have to go and earn money as well, um, you know, we, I just think we've all been sold a lie. Yeah. Like, I've been sold a lie that I wanted to be a career person and my career was so important. And I think that was a very kind of 90s thing to do. You know, you yeah. watch, like, Sex and the City and all those things where you're meant to have these big careers yeah. and be able to be career women and mums. and But running a house and just keeping the laundry and keeping the kids fed and keeping them emotionally stable is a full-time, it's like two full-time jobs. Yeah. To have another job on top where you've got to use your brain, which no longer works, you know, it's so much pressure yeah. on anyone. Anybody who does it well, like, hats off to them because um, I think people from the outside looking in would have thought that I'd got it nailed. But, you know, I didn't realise until I stopped quite how yeah. bad my own viewpoint of myself had got yeah. and like quite how bad like you know the mental load had got where I just I was not able to unwind I was caught in a constant state of fight or flight and so the doctors described it as like burnout I don't know whether that's a nicer way of saying breakdown but I was still able to function you know I still got up and got the kids to school I still had fun I still you know but there was a horrible niggling part of my brain that was saying you're not good enough for any of this. Mm-hmm. You know, they, the kids deserve better. They deserve more from you. Work deserves better, you know, and it's a horrible narrative that you can play yourself. And, you know, thankfully that's dwindling in, you know, I know I'm a good mum. I work bloody hard at mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. It's not always natural. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I have to, you know, work really hard at mm-hmm. it. Um, so, you know, I know that, you know, the good thoughts have come back. Yeah. But how I go back and manage both, I don't know. Um, and unfortunately, you know, we've got the mortgage that we've got and we like the things that we like yeah. and we've got the cars yeah. that we've got. And all of those material things you can scale back. We downsized, you know, in December. But, you know, we, with the cost of living and stuff, actually, yeah. it's the same. same yeah. So we, we're not financially any better off. Yeah. Um, and we've paid 1200 quid a month in nursery fees for Forever. five, six years. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, Yasmin get, uh, Sadie gets her free hours in December. And that, I mean, it's not free because, you know, it's yeah. still 400 quid a month or whatever. But that'll, you know, take the pressure off. So I think when I go back, the discussion at the moment is, do I just go back three days yeah. rather than try and do everything for everyone? But yeah, it's, I don't, I don't know who these people are who nail it. Like... I don't think anyone does. No, I think something's always failing at some point. I'm at a very similar point now where you were probably at four months ago. Mm. I think I said to you, didn't I, when I asked you to come on? Yeah. I've just given my notice in. Because I think as soon as I got the job title that I thought I needed, and then I was a bit like, right, what what now? Because I still feel crap. Yeah. So I was like... It's not worth it. I think there's a there was a it may have been Matthew McConaughey. I'm not sure. He shared something that said, "Wealthy people, it's not about what they put in the bank; it's what they do with their time." And I was a bit like, "Fucking yes!" Absolutely. It is it's so true. Yeah. It is so true. I think I place so much value on the status of my job role. Yeah, yeah. That that formed part of my identity, and yeah. when I wasn't doing it well. I was like, it shook me. Yeah. But actually, I was like, I'm placing importance in the wrong place. Wrong way, yeah. Like, this, this is not... I am just a number to them. Like, yeah. so I've seen what has happened to other people across, you know, 
other roles that I've done, yeah. other teams, anywhere I've worked where, you know, yeah. you're part of the call that goes. Yeah. Um, and work, it, it's not the be-all and end-all. No. And it's kind of like a revelation. Yeah. But once you've had that revelation, it's then really hard to go, I want to do that at all. Yeah. But, you know, financially we need to. Yeah. And and so um, it's hard. But, I mean... There's nothing more important than your mental health and there's no. nothing more important than your children. Yeah. So to do either of those well, if you need to take a step back from the job for a bit, like I couldn't recommend it more. Yeah. Um, I've, I I mean, like I said, I had a miscarriage and I went to London for work. You know, I, was, I went to Birmingham a few days later when I was still bleeding and having to change a pad every 15 minutes. And I was more concerned thinking what does everyone think when I'm getting up and like, am I being rude in this meeting and I should be, you know, really engaged with this. And I look back now and I'm like, I wish I could shake that girl and go, take some bloody time off. Like your brain is not going to thank you for this in a couple of years because you're trying to be everything to everyone and you just can't. Like, no, you've got, you've got to find some sort of peace in like what is a very crazy world and time. Yeah. So they said to me, if you could do, if you could do anything, um, what would you do? And I said, I can't tell you. I know I do this just for fun, a little bit for my own therapy. Yeah, it is but therapy. I, said, I, I feel, I feel much yeah. lighter. I said, if I could do this full time, yeah, I, I can't tell you how happy this makes me. And it's never something I thought I'd do. And I think in the new year, part on part on this identity crisis that I've been through, it's definitely gone to me fuck it just do it just go for it yeah just go for it because what have you got to lose and exactly you get to do something yeah. you really enjoy yeah. and you know who's who's monitoring the success other than you exactly. like if it makes you happy that is <laughs> already successful yeah you know yeah it is it's yeah. really hard to change your mindset out of everything we've been told growing up you know having a good work ethic was something that mm. And, and putting the hours in was always something that I thought yeah. I had to, to do. do. Yeah. Um, and my mum and dad have both, you know, done really well for themselves and grafted. Yeah. Um, and they, uh, they've only ever wanted me to be happy. They're not bothered at all, yeah. you know, um, what I do or what sense that is. And um, it's different. I do a job that I enjoy, you know, yeah. let alone the people, people who, who have to go to work yeah. and they yeah. don't even enjoy their job. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I do really enjoy my job. It does form part of who I am, but it just shouldn't be the main yeah, part. And I've come to the realisation now, like, if I have a lottery win in the next month, I mean, hopefully my boss never <laughs> listens to this, but there's no way I'd go back. There's no, not yeah. at this time in my life yeah. where actually, you know, thinking about it in chapters, like yeah. this chapter with the kids is particularly challenging having a year one and a reception and a nursery and we've moved out of the village we were in where we could walk to school so now we've got two in opposite directions 10 minute only 10 minutes 10 minute drive one way 10 minute drive the other so it's like you all consuming on the ferrying around and the you know having children is just it's just a full-time job so um you know at this point I probably would take a big step back yeah. and actually like you say get into that job role getting that status getting that thing it, it's never quite as satisfying as you think yeah. it's going to I be I actually remember thinking mm. well for all you I'm 
Yeah. Yeah. And that's what it is. It's yeah. more for you. Like yeah. you've you've grafted for other people and what for? Like it's like to make someone else's yeah. life easier. Yeah. Does it make your life easier? No. no. What bitch do you enjoy about your life? It's not racing around and going to work and like you know, killing yourself for someone else. It's yeah. not. Yeah. The bits of life that you enjoy are being able to afford the holidays with your kids yeah. or being able to, you know, go for a walk by yourself without your kids. Like, you know, yeah. they're the bit having a dinner with your husband where you're not just talking about logistics or sitting at the table to have a dinner. Yeah. Where the two of you where you're yeah. like actually able to string a <laughs> sentence together and you're not just pissed off because they've forgotten yeah. to pick up something yeah. that you asked them to or you know like Poor Danny sounds like he's got a rough ride. <laughs> Probably does. But like, you know, it is, it, it's relentless. Yeah. And you, I, I think I, I, the step back has given me some clarity. And I hope it's something that I take forward with me. Yeah. I can't say it will because unfortunately you get my personality is place, just like, yeah. and being a people pleaser. And like, I'm really having to unlearn being myself. Yeah. I've really mm-hmm. having to learn to say, know to certain things that don't make me feel good but But I think as soon as you do that no and the second time you say no I found it so empowering no and it's such a simple word though isn't it I know but but I I default to go yeah okay and I go I don't want to do that that. yeah (laughs) I don't want to so no so no I'm not doing it Um, we've got a couple of closing traditions because I know time is precious today two things first one What's one thing you wish you knew about parenting before you became a parent? Oh, God, one thing. I could probably write a book on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm, I think of one thing, one nugget. Um, it gets easier. Um, any challenge that you're currently in, is a phase and you will come out of it and it will feel really hard at the time but you'll look back and go wow we did that we survived that let's mm-hmm. do this um and I guess that is very wrapped up in the um breastfeeding mm-hmm. if you can cr- stick at it it'll make your life easier in the long run but if you can't don't punish yourself mm-hmm. because all your baby needs is to be loved mm-hmm. and you know the cuddles no matter how you feed and the main thing, I can't tell the difference between my three children yeah. in who was bottle fed and who was breastfed. So if you are currently torturing yourself with it, don't. Mm. They'll be fine. Yeah. In fact, weirdly, the one that was bottle fed is more healthy than either of the other two. <laughs> so I feel like I was sold a lie, you know, sitting there for two years feeding the other two. They're the ones that get sick all the time. But, um, you know, so, yeah, I think I think the main thing is it gets easier and it's a phase whatever you're in it's like you know you move past it you move past it yeah Yeah. always Um, and then if you had to give a tip to new parents or expectant parents what would your top tip be you don't need half the shit that you bought (laughs) 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 save your money spend it on yourself the baby needs nothing like um, the hacker pump is better than any electronic one. Whack it on one boob while you're feeding off the other and you'll get enough milk to let you go away for a weekend. Yeah. Um, that is like a, something I always buy. Somebody who wants to breastfeed. Yeah. Um, and the Tommy Tippy prep machine, if you're bottle feeding, lifesaver. Absolutely epic. Yeah. Lo- yeah. Love that machine. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, half the shit that you buy. I you bought a three hundred pound chair that swung. Oh, I, I bought that for two. Two, I did it for. Yeah, only one liked it. it. Hate it. <laughs> it's in the loft. Yeah, I would sell that. But um, I can't. I can't bear. I can't bring myself to part sell. with it because it cost three hundred quid when I didn't have the money to spend. Oh, you spend money you don't have. Yeah, yeah. On shit you, you don't, don't need. need. Like yeah. because there's a whole world of marketing at you. Um, I guess my my best one is do not online shop whilst you're up feeding in the night. <laughs> I think I amassed about five k's worth of credit card debt just for shit I saw on oh, swipe up. Let's yeah. get that. Like that looks essential. Anything with miracle and sleep in, yeah. it's like my bag. I bought it all, and I can tell you none of it works. <laughs> and your baby will sleep when it's ready. Yeah. You can't do anything to do it with that. But like you know, go with your gut. I think. It's the main thing, though. Overall, you'll get all this advice. Like, the noise when you first have a baby around what you should do, what's the right thing to do, how you should be doing it. But actually, you know best, even if you know nothing, Mm -hmm. because only you know your baby, Mm -hmm. and only you know what's right. Blank the rest of the people. Put your judgment away. No one knows what the fuck they're doing. Mm -hmm. Everyone's just making it up as they go along. But... I can say with absolute certainty that you know what's right for your baby at that time and nothing else matters. Yeah. You said it's very, very, very well. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're for welcome. Thank you for having me. It's lovely. Thank you.